But I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 of John chapter 4 in the message. And it's going to be the main text. And then I'm going to talk about three things that grace does in our life. Are you all ready? How many like three points sermons with a little poem, right? No, I don't have a poem, but um, there will be three points. So we're going to jump right in here. Okay, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water that I will give will never thirst, not ever. The water that I will give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Say this with me, fountains of endless life. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get, will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks this water, I will never thirst, not ever. The water that I will give, again, he says, will be a spring within, gushing, fountains of endless life. So good, so good. Well, praise God. Can you say amen? amen. Lord, bless the rest of the service, and would you save all the sinners? Amen. <laughs> all right. Uh, when we talk about the grace of God, a lot of times we... We'll talk about the finished work of Jesus, and we'll talk about our identity, which we will. Um, when we talk about a grace message, I, what I want to do right now before we jump into this, I want to, because I think a lot of people here have a good understanding of the finished work message. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people do. And it's very important that we understand what Jesus has accomplished, and we trust in that, and we live in the fountain of his grace. And we live in this place where we're receiving God's grace so we can rise up and overcome in life. And it's not just so we know that we're free from our old sin nature that died with Christ. It's, it's all those things. It's not just so we can be free from sin. I, I feel like it's so important that we understand Jesus came uh, to free us, but the only, it's not the only reason he came to free us. Sometimes we think, well, if, if I'm a good Christian, I live free from sin. And, and sometimes we think that's it. If I'm, if I'm not sinning, then I'm, I'm doing good. Jesus came to do so much more than that, and that was actually a secondary issue. The primary issue was uh, our communion with him, our reconciliation with him. And, and it's our union with Christ that causes us to come alive and really do what we're created to do. So when we jump into this today, I'm not going to just be talking about the finished work of the cross. I'm going to talk about three things that grace does in, in, a, in a different way. All right? So I hope you guys are ready for that. I am uh, really happy right now. The weather is good. Who's with me? Come on, somebody. We should do a whole nother praise break for that. I mean, it's like it's, the weather's nice, you know. Uh, it's a good time for barbecues. Mm. Who's doing a barbecue today? All right, give me your address. I'll see you in a little bit. Wait, if you say barbecue, there better be ribs. Because if you don't say barbecue, it's a grill unless there's actual barbecue. Y'all ain't feeling me. Listen, we, we have another service at 12. You can come to that one. No, I'm just playing. Nobody will be here. Uh, volleyball, we played volleyball the other day, and it was intense, man. We were getting, I hurt my my middle finger, and I was thinking, like, was this the Lord? Did I give someone the bird or something? It's like, you know, now I'm just messing. Um, it's a good, good time. The, when the weather's nice, it's a good time to go to Disneyland. I knew I would get my wife's attention on that one right there. Oh, the magical kingdom. Who loves the magical kingdom? 
<laughs> I could tell you some stories. You know, I, I do want to tell you a couple stories that go with what I'm sharing today because I feel like sometimes we think the grace of God is this magic wand that just makes everything right. And once we understand God's grace and all of a sudden everything's going to be right, we won't have any problems in life. How many know that's not the truth? How many know when you started following Jesus, how many know the scripture says in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And, and there's this understanding that there is grace in the midst of the mess. And, uh, I, I'll tell you a couple quick stories about my experience at Disneyland. I don't love Disneyland. I don't hate it because my wife loves it. And I've learned as a good husband, I got to love what my wife loves. And when I do that, my marriage is better. Amen. That also goes for you, sweetheart. You got to love what I love. And you do. Amen. Praise God. You love horsepower, fast cars. When she drives my car, I'm like, go fast. This guy wants to race. Go. One time we were in Vegas. I literally, there was a Corvette next to us. I'm like, all right, ready? When it turns green, just go step on it. And I'm, I'm like, don't just push down, like step on it, floor, just floor it. And it was kind of like, and, but we still won. I don't remember what car I was driving back then. This was in Vegas. But she loves what I love, and it's important. I love Disneyland, but I've had some bad experiences there. I don't love the crowds. I don't love, it's not magical to stand in a ride for an hour or two, and then ride something for 30 seconds. Like, it's, come on, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. One time, my uh, family and I were at Disneyland, and they wanted to go on this ride, and it was a dumb ride. It was like sitting in a thing, floating around. It wasn't small world. If you don't know Disneyland, oh, first of all, we're from the West Coast, Las Vegas. We go to Disneyland. We're not as cool as you that fly down to Florida and go to Disney World, the real magical kingdom. We go to the fake one, right? And um, so we were at Disneyland, okay, the not-so-magical kingdom, and we were about ready to get on this ride, and my family and I are waiting, and I noticed this tree over where the line is, and I saw a lot of birds, a lot of heavenly activity up there, and I knew in my heart, I said, if I go over there, a bird is going to ride on me. I don't know why, I just, I, it was, it's just my prophetic anointing or something, I'm not sure. But I, I, I remember waiting, I said, okay guys, just call me over, because I, I don't want that to happen. Um, and so when you guys get to the front of the line, I'll come up and, and I'll jump on the ride with you. And they're like, okay, fine dad. They're, they're, the whole family, they were fine the whole time. No birds dookied on them, they were fine. But I rolled up to get on, what was it, like 10 minutes later? Yeah. 10 minutes. And I walk, can I tell you this story? Is it okay? Yeah, it, it has a point, I, I promise. I walk up, and sure enough, right when I walk to the front of the line, guess what happens? A bird graced me with its fecal matter. <laughs> Bam! Right on my pocket. Not just on the pocket, inside the pocket. The bird's like, save some for later. <laughs> I'm like, I waited 10, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, out of the heavens, you'd think like the Lord was doing it, right? Like, what in the world? And then all of a sudden, bam, right there. So I'm, I'm so upset. They're all laughing at me. I still have heart wounds from your laughter. And you need to pray for me. So I cleaned it up, went on the ride. But it was traumatic. I mean, it really was traumatic. I know it's, you know, light, light affliction or light affliction. But that's one of the reasons I don't like Disneyland. Another time, we are 
here's the thing about Disneyland. There's not a lot of good places to eat at Disneyland unless you make reservations, and it's hard to get reservations. So you got to go to, like, the stands that just have junk food. So you eat beignets and cake and chicken legs and spicy food and satays and things like that. And so we just got like some finger foods and we're just eating random things. How many of that's wonderful, right? Like when you go to the, who went to the Lilac Festival and just ate a bunch of random food and ate like 12 meals? This guy right here. <laughs> so proud of it too. And, and so we're eating food. My son and I, you know, sometimes our bellies get a little worked up. And so we had to use the restroom. I know y'all are glorified saints, so you don't use the restroom, but we had to go to the bathroom. And you'd think that this, this Disney operation would, would be, you know, like have everything that is needed and necessary in the restroom, so we, we have to go to the bathroom, both my son and I. So, of course, we're in different stalls. That's, that'd be weird. But we, we both go in the same time, and, uh, and I've noticed, I'm like, there's no toilet seat cover? I'm like, this is, demo- already it's demonic. I'm like, this I mean, I'm a person of faith, but I'm not like, I'm not, I don't have that much faith. I've done it before, to be honest. But there's some people that won't even use public restrooms. Isn't this a wonderful story on an opening series for Grace? So I'm like, all right, I got to go to the bathroom. So next best thing, just put some toilet paper down and sit down and do my thing, right? Come on, somebody. And it's a normal, but actually, did you know Jesus was human and he did that too? All the Gnostics are like, no. Yes, he did. Jesus farted too, just so you know. I, I, listen, man. I'm telling you, he invented pull my finger. He's like, yo, Peter, you want to know the secrets of the kingdom? <laughs> maybe not, but maybe he did. I don't know. I'll have to talk to the Lord about that one. Pray for me while you're at it. So, it didn't have toilet seat covers, but it did have auto flush. Oh, I love auto flush. Soon as I'm about to sit down, just all the toilet paper I laid down. It took me like 10 minutes, and I got to go. And you know when you got to go, it gets worse when you're right there. It's like you didn't really have to go that bad, but right when you're right by the toilet, and you're two feet from the toilet, you're going to go. I thought I was 89 years old, man. I was about to just go right there. So I had to lay out the toilet paper again. Sure enough, once again, the auto toilet took all the toilet paper. But this time, something happened in a public restroom. The septic, satanic, sinful, diseased water of the toilet happened to splash upwards towards me. Fueled by demons themselves. And a drop of water, Christian. Christian, a drop of water from the toilet came all the way up. This time it wasn't like a bird hitting my pocket. It's way worse. It came all the way up and touched my bottom lip. (sighs) I freaked out. David heard me in the stall. I'm speaking in tongues. No, Lord Jesus, no, help me, Lord. Man, it was awful. So, I, I mean, hand sanitizer on my lip, whatever I could find, soap. I don't even remember what happened after that. I think I might have soiled myself. I don't know. Um, but we won't go there. But it leads me to the first two points, and the first one is what grace does 
And I, I cannot emphasize this enough. I could preach on this time and time again. Grace doesn't just empower us to live a free life. That's wonderful. Do you know that grace, number one, corrects our vision of who God is? See, the scripture says this, and from the overflow of his fullness, we've received grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. In the context of the Lord Jesus himself being God incarnate and unveiling who God is, in the context that we have received grace upon grace, the Bible says that he has come to reveal to us who God really is. This is what it says right after that. No one has ever seen the splendor of God except his uniquely beloved son who is cherished by the father and held close to his heart. And now that he has come to us, he has unfolded the full explanation of who God really is. You see, not everything that happens to us in life is God's will. Everything that happens in the heavens. I could have thought that that bird doing what he did to me, and I'm still traumatized by it. I still have, I'm still sometimes asking, why, Lord? Why me? But how many know there was no reason behind that other than a bird happened to do that? Sometimes we mistake things that happen, happenings for heavenly things. And you have to know that grace corrects our vision of God, that God is not a God who exhaustively controls everything. This is so liberating because we don't have to say things that we've inherited through the lens of our Western Christianity that has been defiled by Greek philosophy. When we say something that's not even in the Bible, we say, well, God is in control. And we say it in a passive way, thinking that God exhaustively allows and controls all things to happen. Listen, it's not that simple to say God allows it. No, God allowed the risk and the possibility for there to be suffering in the world. This will help us when we are trying to get people to understand the problem of evil known as theod theodicy. Like there is something about, the, there's a freedom that comes when we realize that there are things that happen in this world because we have natural laws, spiritual laws, and uh, there's sin that has entered into the world. And Jesus came to correct our vision of God that we don't have this God who's a punishing judge. Come on. We don't have this God that's like Zeus just waiting to lightning bolt us because we missed the 9 a.m. service that we didn't have this morning. Did anyone show up at 9 a.m.? Anyone? One person. Okay. Two people. Praise God. But did you come to pray? That doesn't count. All right. Like, Oh, I didn't go to church last Sunday. I hope God's not displeased. That's not who God is. God is not this judge waiting for you to mess up so he can judge you and destroy you. No, he's a father. And listen, as a father, he is just. And as a father, he is truthful. And as a father, he is loving. But he is a good papa. And the greatest understanding we could have of God is not that he's a judge, but that he's a father and he has a son who is our Lord and he has a spirit that he has sent forth to empower us to see him for who he really is. And grace 
corrects our vision. Come on. Jesus is the great physician that corrects our vision. Sin is not just juridical, like breaking the law type things, like making mistakes. It's all of that, but it's also a disease, an ontological problem that is affecting the cosmos, and we need the great physician to come heal us. We need Jesus, the eye doctor, to diagnose our eyes, and he says, the way you've seen God in the past is not who he really is. In fact, it's why we look in the mirror and don't see who we really are. It's why we look through that mirror becomes a window to humanity and we have the problems that we do in the world today like ethnic division. And the problems that we do is because we don't see who God really is. That he is an inclusive, loving father who loves us so massively we can't even begin to comprehend. And grace corrects our vision of who God is. Number two, grace washes us completely. In that moment when the water splashed my lip, it still traumatizes me, but I immediately think of Isaiah chapter 6, take the coal, cleanse my lips, here I am. How many are thankful that when you were cleansed and washed from your sin, Or maybe you haven't received the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. You can. And he's waiting for you to just come and receive. How many know that when he washes us, he doesn't just give us a little bit and say, well, I'll clean you up just enough for you to get by. And then you come back to church and you can get cleansed again. How many know we have been washed completely by the blood of Jesus? I want to read you this powerful verse in Titus 2. Before I do, I want to read you some of the lyrics to the song you heard in the, in the opening video written by Jonathan David Helser. In my sin, you kept loving. There's no end to your forgiveness and mercy. Every morning you keep coming. Waves of your affection keep washing over me. You are an endless ocean, a bottomless sea. Grace washes us completely. Titus 2, 11 and 12. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. How many know that grace is not just God's divine power? The charis of God is the Greek word. But grace is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus became man to heal us from our sin, septic, diseased waters in our own heart. Jesus came to sanctify and heal and touch and go even into the darkest of our human brokenness, even into the depths of death itself. St. John Christosom says that death took a body and met God face to face. See, Jesus went all the way. He he, He didn't just wash us a little bit. He completely washed us. And the amazing grace, the marvelous grace has manifested in person. He has cleansed us. He's given us new DNA. He has regened us and washed us. We've been given a new heart. Now, these are entire things that we could unpack, but I just want to focus on the fact that we have been cleansed thoroughly by the blood of Jesus. It says that this grace has brought salvation for everyone. Say everyone. This same grace teaches us. Do you know that grace teaches you? Grace teaches us. 
Just like grace can correct our vision of God, it teaches us. How does it teach us? How to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. Grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. See, grace empowers us into freedom from those things. Grace does not uh, negate our own responsibility. It empowers us. It's not like, well, I have grace, so I can just do whatever I want to do. No, when you receive grace, you overcome, you rise up, you're free. You live the way God created you, and you know that you're washed completely. You know, come on, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation, a new creature, a new species. Old things have passed away. Behold, a couple things have become new. All things have become new. You are new. You have been created new in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I was. I might not be exactly who I'm created to be, but I'm discovering my identity in Christ and I'm being transformed from the same image from glory to glory because I've been washed completely by his love. His, those waves of his grace just keep washing over. So grace teaches us and equips us. Grace equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. One of the church fathers, St. Gregory, the theologian, said this, what is not assumed is not redeemed. In other words, what has not been taken on cannot be healed. Jesus assumed our broken humanity and fully redeemed us. What he, Jesus was, he laid aside what he was not, he assumed his human nature. Being fully God, fully man, it says, this is what he said, he takes upon himself the poverty of my flesh so I might receive the riches of his divinity. Do you know that you're not intrinsically divine, but you partake of the divine nature and you, by grace, you are adopted as a child of God. The Bible even teaches us that we have been made one with him. We've been joined like a marriage. We are, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You're one with Jesus. And we're being made one with him. It's called theosis. There's this process of us being made one with God, this harmony that every beat of his heart begins to change the rhythm of our heartbeat. And so St. Gregory says, it's all been assumed and it's all been healed. You've been washed completely. You've been redeemed. Second Peter 1, 2, before I go to the last point. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the great physician that came to heal the fabric of our sinful human DNA. You've been washed. See, grace is not just the mercy that God's had upon us all, but grace actually actively washes over us, has and is reminding us of who we really are in him, that we are new. Can you say amen? amen. Lastly, number three, say number three. Grace empowers us in our true identity. Now, I'm going to approach this from a little different angle, and I'm going to talk about something specific that you, that we are as children of God, that we carry. 
You know, like we know that we're sons and daughters. We know we have a new identity in Christ. And that, that, that has a lot of implications. The way we live, the way we talk, right? The way, what we do in life, the way we relate to one another. But I want to talk about something specific. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul says this. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He goes on, he says, I want you to take all the things that you've heard, and I want you to commit those to faithful men who can also disciple other people. And then he says this, you, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm speaking to you right now to be strong in the grace because God empowers you in your identity to be strong. Part of your identity as a son and a daughter is to live strong. In fact, you have been made to overcome. I think sometimes we forget this. Even when we talk about this is Pentecost Sunday. A lot of times when we think of the Holy Spirit, we just look at Luke chapter 3 when the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes and rests upon the Lord. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, it, it, there's a representation of, of, of a dove. Like there's this, the, the Holy Spirit can be quenched or grieved, but on the day of Pentecost, he didn't show up like a dove. When he showed up on Jesus, he showed up like a dove, but when he showed up on humanity, it was wind and fire. See, the Lord's a warrior. One of the reasons we're not seeing breakthroughs is because we're tiptoeing around and, and trying to like just receive the, the doveness of the Holy Spirit. Are you all with me? But there's a fire, come on, and there's a wind that is mighty. Like greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Listen, when I'm down and out and I don't know what to pray or say, I need that wind and fire. I don't need the gentleness, man. I need to rise up and I need my prayer language and I need to pray and I need to start breaking things and pray. And listen, you have been made to overcome and to be strong in the grace of God. God's grace has given you strength to endure. When all hell breaks loose, when you don't know what to do, there's grace for you. There's grace for me. This has been a rough week. Thank God for his grace. It's been a rough year so far. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And when I feel like quitting and throwing in the towel, first of all, I'm not alone. You're not alone. But guess what? We position ourselves when we surrender. And surrender is not an act. It's the ceasing of an act. And when you surrender, you're in a perfect place to receive the grace of God. I'm so glad there's like 14 of y'all receiving this word this morning. Maybe the rest of y'all just know his grace is amazing. Come on. I'm just messing. Be strong in the grace. I can hear the words of Paul to his spiritual son. I hear my own father's words. I hear my spiritual fathers and people that have poured in and mentored. Be strong, Zach. You can make it. You've got what it takes. I've anointed you, and I release that over your life. You've got what it takes. You're a world changer. You're going to shape history. Your name will be written about in books of revival. Come on. You're an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Whatever God's created you to do, listen, I'm telling you right now, you were made to overcome. Don't be dismayed. God is with you. God is for you. There's grace. Come on. Late in the midnight hour, he's going to turn it around. He's going to work in your favor. Why? Because his grace 
grace is still amazing. And his grace is endless and cascades over us. And he teaches us that we can be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. See, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, I know your struggles. He's a young leader. They're despising his youth. There's all sorts of issues. There's some Jezebel in the church that, that Paul has to rebuke. And this is where we get the scripture. It says, I don't want this woman to preach. People misinterpret it, and they're like, well, women can't teach. They form whole denominations that don't allow women to teach. That's silly. Paul is dealing with things in the church. There's this, literally this woman who's controlling and manipulating and operating in a witchcraft spirit. Paul's like, be strong in the grace. You can handle this. It's going to be okay. I know there's been division. I know there's things that have gone on. But guess what? God's raising up an army. And listen, I'm telling you, the grace of God, when you are at your weakest, God will breathe life into you. Because that's who God is. When you can't do it on your own, that means God's just about ready to show off. When you think you got it on your own, you ain't going to get grace. Oh, I got this. Lord's like, would you stop it? You got what? What, are you going to crucify your own flesh too? Jesus handled that 2,000 years ago. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got this. I got this. No, no, no. He got this. And then there's this revelation that we get in this last point that in our identity to be strong is cultivated knowing that we're family. I didn't expect to do what we did when we prayed, and I love what Stephen brought but I, I feel like the Lord is speaking on this point very strong for a reason. Because he wants us to remind one another that we're not alone. And that we're family. There's times where I just need to spend time with my family. There's times I come in here on Sunday morning and worship with you saints and it's just what I need. I just need, sometimes I just need some ribs, some barbecue ribs. I knew I, I knew I would get some amens on that. See, our identity can only be revealed in community. In isolation, we are not a person, we are an individual. Your persona is personified, is manifested only in relation to other people. The lie is, is that, well, if I isolate myself, I'll be okay. No, 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 no. And, and our pride will just say, don't ask for prayer. They're going to think you're backslidden. You know how hard it is as a pastor to ask for prayer? Everyone's going to think I'm backslidden. I don't care what you think. I need prayer. If I need prayer, I need prayer. And I got people I text, hey, I need you to pray for me. I'm feeling some pressure. And I got to endure the hardship right now. And I'm reminded that the Lord says, be strong in my grace. And commit those to faithful. Commit those to faithful. Listen, there's a faithful family around you. And, and listen, that's another reason for us to stick close together in troubled times. You know, when the army is advancing and taking the land, you know what the enemy tries to do? Confuse the army to get those on the front. Or maybe those that are kind of lagging behind, well, maybe I'm just not supposed to be part of this army and they just walk away. I encourage you right now, listen, the Lord is marking us as a people to march and move ahead. 
we are we are so close like we've already got our financing for our construction loan but we're going to have permits probably this this coming week and you're going to see construction going on in the building we're possessing the land the building that's been sitting there for 20 years this is a big deal and the enemy does not like what's happening and this community, this beautiful community, we're going to move and we're going to grow and we're going to multiply and we're going to raise up an army and we're going to see an army forge a beautiful community that looks like heaven, a family together. This is who we are. And grace teaches us who we are and we're not meant to be alone. You ever feel like throwing in the towel? You're not alone. Live in the moment and recognize you have family all around you. Embrace them and let them embrace you. Embrace them and let them embrace you. Because we need each other. We need each other. Let grace work through that to cause you to rise up and overcome. And don't believe the lie that you're not wanted in this family or loved in this family. You belong here. And I'm so glad you're here. And God appointed it that way. See, my wife didn't know this last closing verse. She didn't know that I was going to read Romans 8, but I'm going to close by reading this over you. And the Bible does say that as we receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness, we will reign in life. God wants you to reign. Stay strong, saints. We're taking the land. And I'm, I'm telling you to walk in the spirit of an overcomer because that's who you are. You're an overcomer. Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to read four verses, five verses here. Can you stand with me in an attitude of prayer, please? I want to ask you, if you would just prayerfully receive the word of the Lord, I'm going to be reading what Paul's writing to the Roman church, but I want, let's put ourselves in a heart posture as if Paul was writing to us. Who could ever divorce us or separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us Troubles, pressures, problems are all unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, say it with me. No, they are all powerless to hinder omnipotent love. They are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it's written all day long, we face death threats for your sake. God, we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us by grace to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, 
life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present, in our future circumstances that can weaken his love. Come on. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Would you seal it with praise? Come on, do you believe that this morning? God's endless grace. God's endless grace. We receive it. We receive it and we say yes, Lord. I pray for the spirit of overcomers to rise up on the inside of us. We will march forward in the direction in which you've called us. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Seal it one more time with praise. Thank you, Lord.